Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There is no better group of pots of flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello, and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to answer some of your gardening queries. Today, I'm joined by someone I've known for years in the sea trade. He's the commercial director of Thompson & Morgan. It's Paul Hansord. We'll be talking about the changes we've seen in gardening over the years. And boy, there's been some. Like farmers, gardeners keep on talking about the weather. And goodness, I've got plenty to talk about this week. You know, it's up and down again. Bitterly cold in the wind one day, and then I popped in the polytunnel when the sun came out, and the temperatures were up in the 90s. Unbelievable. But be careful. You know what we country folk call a blackthorn winter's on its way. That's when the slow bushes suddenly open, and you see those white flowers covering the blackthorn. Every year, the weather seems to drop in temperature once the blackthorn comes out. So don't rush with your sowing and planting. There are jobs which, if they're done the right week or the right month, it makes so much better results in the garden. For example, if you've got uh, Shizer stylus, sorry about that name, Shizer stylus, it flowers October and November, very useful time to have some flowers to cut. That perennial plant is best divided and split up at this time of year. So if you've got some, now's a good time to split them. And if on a garden centre you happen to see a biggish container, good time to buy that and to split that up. If you like the spotted laurel, it's a bit of a Victorian plant, evergreen, yellow spots on the leaves, often used by local authority planting where nothing else will grow, I think it's a much uh, mismaligned plant. It's a very good evergreen, particularly for smaller gardens, because it really shines out on winter days. And if you want to take cuttings, again, now is a very good time to do it. You just need a bit of last year's growth, about three or four inches long, cut just below a leaf, and take off a few of the lower leaves, pop that in some good coarse cutting compost, put a polythene bag over the top, and it will root in a few months' time. I must speak too about the uh, hellebores, especially the oriental ones. They are absolutely stunning at present, and the breeders are improving them all the time. There's a series that we saw at the uh, big trade show at Essen in Germany called Ice and Roses, and I nipped into Perrywood Garden Centre in Essex uh, earlier this week, and they had a really lovely plant of ice and roses in a four litre container and it was full of flowers. There must have been 30 flowers I would think on this one plant. What a show and a really dark rich red. So if you're looking for something to put a bit of colour into your garden do give those uh, oriental hellebores a go. If you look very carefully 
there's the row of outer coloured petals and then in the centre, five or six little seed pods. And if you nip those out with your thumbnail, the outer petals stay attractive for months. If you leave them in place, then of course they set seed and scatter across the garden and you'll get lots and lots of seedlings growing. But the flower goes over much more quickly. We do need to keep an eye on hellebores and peonies for a disease called botrytis. So if you see some old leaves with black spots on the hellebore, make sure that they're cut off and cleaned away. And the same with any debris underneath peonies. Make sure that's all cleaned up at this time of year. This week in the paper, we've got an offer on tombagine. It's one plant that has both a tomato and aubergine on the one plant. You know, these uh, nursery people keep doing crazy things, don't they? We had the tom-tato, that's a tomato with potatoes on the roots. Last year we had the egg and chips plant, that was an aubergine with uh, potatoes on the bottom. And now one plant that does two jobs, tomatoes and aubergines. I have to mention too, and another little news story got in the paper uh, about uh, black magic. It's a new uh, brand for composts and fertilisers. And it's come from America, where it was uh, introduced initially for people to grow marijuana. Do you know, it's an enormous business, apparently, across the Western world, growing marijuana. Illegal, of course, in this country, but they've just made it legal in California, and I believe Ireland, too, are likely to uh, make it legal for certain uh, medicinal reasons. Uh, But this particular product of plant food and a compost called Black Magic is being sold here for those plants that you want to give a really special treatment to. So keep an eye out for black magic. I'm pleased to be joined now by the commercial director of Thompson & Morgan, Mr Paul Hansord. Now, Paul, when you were a young bloke, how did you set off in this uh, world of horticulture? Well, my granddad really started me off. He had a lovely vegetable garden, and when I used to go see him, I used to pop and help him, and that was sort of the first time I got involved in, you know, gardening in general. I think a lot of us at that era, I was the same with my granddad and dad, yeah. And then really after that, it was my school teacher, Mr McGinley, who, uh, you know, wasn't the brightest kid in the class, and I used to love doing the gardens, and in them days it was rural science at school. So we had a greenhouse there, beds with vegetables, we had goats, pigs, all sorts of things in the school. At the school, that's, that's pretty unusual though, isn't it? I don't remember us having anything like that. Yeah, that's, we used to have a lot of those sorts of things at school, yeah. So I just, just loved going there any time I could go down there in the greenhouse and what have you. And that's what I did. Goodness. And then, and then Dad really, well, there was an old lady in the village who'd got a big greenhouse and Dad took that down and brought it up to my place and that was the beginning really of getting really involved with my own greenhouse. And then what about your first job then? Well, my first job really was um, at Unwins. I'd done some college training and then I went to Unwins as a trainee. And that was in September 1973. And, uh, and we went through from packing seed, looking and growing plants, harvesting seed, seed breeding. It was a fantastic apprenticeship for me. Well, I seem to remember 
finding you first of all as trial ground manager at Histon. Isn't that when we first met? It is indeed, and it's over, I think it's 44 years ago, Peter, that we first met. And I remember it very well because I was looking at sweet corn when you called to see us. And and that's a crop that has changed dramatically in the last 40 years. It, It has indeed, yes. So much sweeter now, isn't it? Yeah, and not so chewy, earlier to mature. All good characteristics for the home gardener to get success. And one of the great strengths at uh, Histon was sweet peas, weren't they? Yeah. They're favourites of mine. And and a fellow called David Curley, I seem to remember, working away, breeding sweet peas. Yes, indeed. He was sort of helped Charles Charles Unwin, who was the king of sweet peas, really, at the time for breeding. And David was his assistant. And I used to do all the growing for them. So then they could do their own crosses. And then I'd harvest the seed and and clean the seeds. So, yes, those were good days. We used to grow thousands and thousands of sweet peas to select, you know, just a few that was good enough to go forward with. It's a pity that's still not done in East Anglia, don't you think? Yeah. I suppose E.W. King will be the last ones that are producing a bit of seed in the fields. Yeah. The trouble is these days, the weather's not consistent enough, labour's too expensive, so it's gone to places where you can be guaranteed good quality crops with good germination at the end of the season. And what about the changes over all those years, the 40 years you and I have known one another? It's it's amazing, really. If you look at the vegetables, I think the disease resistance, the flavour, whether it's a carrot, tomato, they've all improved. There's a new strawberry this year. Just add cream. I think that says it all in the name, you know. Flavour's so important. And once you've grown your own vegetables, then... Trying to have them in the supermarket is something totally different. Don't slip too quickly over that just add cream because I had a taste of that last summer right. with several of the press and, and, I mean, we were just knocked out by it. The flavour's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, well, a lot of modern breeding is done for yields and supermarkets, but with our own breeding, we, we're looking to produce products that, you know, don't necessarily have to sit on the shelf for a long time, you know, so we're interested in flavour, not necessarily high yields either. Flavour, flavour is so important. And seeds aren't as important today to the gardener as the seedlings and young plants, are they? No, they're not. Um, it's, you know, there's still it's an important part of the market, but again, I would have never realised or never expected that so many millions and millions of plants are raised from cuttings. Everything used to be raised from seed, basically, for bedding. And, and they're now so compact. And the beauty of those is, because they don't set seed, they just flower right through the season, so they give a wonderful performance on the patio. This week in the post, I had five little fuchsia cuttings. I mean, they were perfect, just like peas out of a pod. Two pairs of leaves, uh, four shoots coming from the axles of the leaves, a flying star, any gardener who got stuff like that. Beautifully grown. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just the techniques of... The way we root them these days, the speed of rooting, the size of the cuttings, it's all really amazing. And, of course, delivered to the door. Delivered to the door, yeah, with the packaging and what we've been able to do with that now. There's, you know, as you say, it arrived there and you don't have to go out. You can pot it on in the next few days and you'll have a cracking plant. The pinching's been done. A lot of people don't like pinching plants to get a nice bushy plant, but it's so important. We, we try to do all that for everybody to get the very best plant later in the season. And... The factory production, too, is mind-boggling, isn't it? The way they sow these tiny seeds and the way they handle uh, millions of uh, young plants. Automation is something that, again, you would never dreamed of. You know, some of these plants are never touched by a human hand until they actually go onto the trolley to leave the greenhouse. They're they're so automated. 
and the quality is you know where they now understand the temperatures the the feeding regimes they've all improved so much over the last few years and what about the actual um, laboratory production things like micropropagation i mean it means that we can have one good new plant and multiply it up very quickly things yeah. like lilies you just have one brilliant new plant and within a year or two you've got thousands yeah absolutely well if you take the strawberry just add cream we was growing that actually in poland and it hasn't done as well as we'd hoped it would do but between now and the end of april we'll produce a hundred thousand plants in a micropop lab and, and wean them out ready for sending to our customers now that was something you wouldn't even dream about we talk about tissue culture labs on a very regular basis because it does enable us to get plants to market very, very quickly. Yeah, and you talk about wouldn't dream about. When you were a schoolboy up in Lincolnshire, did you ever dream about going to work in China, flying Uh, out to uh, America to find things? Not at all. I never thought I'd leave Lincolnshire in those (laughs) days. (laughs) But, yeah, I've been a lucky... Lucky lad, really. I've been all over the world looking for new varieties, and China is an example where we bring in a um, quarter of a million magnolias a year now from China, which are grown for us. And the quality that they've improved over the last 10 years from when we started growing plants there to um, to what we get now, you know, they, they, they've learned very quickly, and because labor and the space is so f- um, freely available there, you know, we, we, we're bringing products in from all over the world. It's amazing. Well, now, how do you get on in China? I mean, are you any good at chopsticks? I've, I've mastered the art of chopsticks, but, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get around there, I've got a good lady who always comes with me, and she keeps me on the straight and narrow, because when you go into the, basically, out of Mongolia one time I was travelling to, and, and it's it's just amazing that you you know you can't understand the thing i get out the car and everybody comes to look at me because i'm so tall compared to everybody around there it's really strange yeah i can imagine that because yes you are a big fella but paul with all this traveling what can we expect in the future what exciting things do you think we're going to see well the, the general trend is more and more towards patio gardening both for vegetables and for flowers we're seeing a Everybody wanting easier gardening, larger plants, instant gardening. They don't want to mess around. There's so many things for people to do these days. We're definitely seeing a big trend change there. And and where the work's been done in the coordination of the colours, the uniformity of the plants, so we can put three or four or five plants together and get a really wonderful display so the customer, again, doesn't have to worry about it. Uh, And I think pest diseasing, long-term flowering, is improved flowering is all things we're going to expect in the next years now can i have a sweet pea that doesn't set seed so we don't have to deadhead it i mean are we going to see things like that well, coming up all those sort of things are going to be possible yeah we we're looking for those sorts of things because if it doesn't set seed we know it's going to flower for a long period of time and um some of these things are very challenging but with the technology we've got at our fingertips now it's certainly not out of the question well, I look forward to that, and, and I hope, Paul, you'll keep me up to date with it, you know. We, we, we like the news first here. Uh, you, you always get the news first, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> In the post this week, uh, Mr Drodge from Limington is asking about worms in carrots. I presume he means carrot fly. It's very difficult, really, out in the open garden now to uh, stop carrot fly attacking the roots and the only sure way 
is to use EnviroMesh, that very fine mesh or horticultural fleece. You sow the carrots, you put the fleece over it, and then as the carrot leaf grows, so it lifts the fleece and keeps the fly off. Actually, uh, when I tried this the first time in my own garden, I couldn't work out how I did the weeding. Because if I took the mesh off and started weeding, then the carrot fly is going to smell the carrots being crushed and fly straight in while I got the mesh off. And so I spoke to the manufacturer who produces this uh, EnviroMesh stuff, uh, and he said, oh, he said, it's very easy. He said, you just do your weeding when there's a very strong wind because the carrot fly don't fly in the wind. And I said, well, that's all very well, but I do my gardening on a Sunday morning. How can I arrange the wind to blow strongly when I've got my EnviroMesh off? So I'll leave you to sort that one out. What I can tell you is that if you sow some carrot seed now in a deep four-litre pot, germinate it indoors, and as soon as you see the uh, seedling starting to come through, move it out, and then have a, a, a fleece stocking that you can pull up over the pot. You'll be pulling carrots in late May, early June, and there won't be a single worm in the roots. You can subscribe to the Sun Gardening newsletter at sungardening.co.uk and you can subscribe to the podcast by pressing the subscribe button on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.